On this episode of AvTalk, we celebrate our 50th episode and the 50th anniversary of the Boeing 747. We discuss aviation's role in ending the U.S. government shutdown, how British Airways is celebrating its centenary, and we see if anyone wants to buy an abandoned MD-87. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of AvTalk. I am Ian Pechnik here for the 49th time with... Jason Rabinowitz. Hello. So I've been here 49 out of 50 times. That's pretty good. That's not bad. That's still... Uh, I think you get like a little medal or something. Yeah, passing grade. We'll have to work up and, and hand out. But yeah, 50 episodes. How about that? Yeah, we should celebrate by doing absolutely nothing special. Well, well, the the plan was to celebrate and have some folks on that we've had in the past and, and some new folks. But because we're celebrating our 50th episode in the middle of uh, winter and the weather is terrible and all of this stuff is happening, people weren't – they said no. They just said outright said no. No, oh, thank you. They just said, I, I can't do it it's for various cold. reasons. The worst excuse anyone gave us was, I can't, I will be on a plane. And I said, come on. So here we are celebrating 50 episodes in in 50 degree, minus 50 degree weather, or at least I am. Not so, quite that cold here yet. Well, the, the wind chill is, is creeping down that low again tonight. So it, it's fun. It was um, – we got up to minus 14 here today mm. in Chicago. It's a balmy so that's Fahrenheit. 10 degrees uh, here in Brooklyn. So feels close, like uh, negative 3. Not, yeah, and, and, not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the sun was out. So that you know made it all, all okay. I actually have to open my window when we're done recording to get some cooler air in here. <laughs> good old good old fashioned radiator heat. yeah it's the worst there you go it's fun it's like a game that you can play yeah you know how can frustrated I, can I turn... you be by the lack of control over your climate exactly and you know that's i remember that i thankfully don't have that anymore but I, I do remember waking up on a winter day and it being 90 degrees in the apartment well at least it works <laughs> there is that there is that so chicago and minneapolis today were so cold that the Chicago canceled about 1,500 flights. Minneapolis canceled not that many, but it was a substantial number. And things are moving very slowly, but they're moving. Kind of. Uh, if you're lucky so enough was, to be uh, on one of the flights that is actually moving. Yeah. I mean, it was mostly, if you look, saw the breakdown of it, pretty much the regional flights were canceled, all of them. And then uh, a lot of the the shorter mainline flights were canceled as well. So it was a, a very international day in uh, in Chicago because that's what most of the flights were, were operating. Right. And they weren't canceled because they couldn't operate. It's because they didn't want to keep employees out in the cold too long at any one time because they would, you know, die of exposure if they did that. So yeah, it was, uh, it was you know, not, not a good time to be outside for a very long time. Although I did have, uh, I did have a garbage pickup today, or a trash pickup. Oh, wow. The, the truck came by and, and I was very surprised by that. Yeah. That's I, uh, not a, a fantastic job today. So it, the, the guy, the guy doing the actual trash collecting, you know, putting the can against the, the truck and, and pulling the lever was dressed. He, he looked like a bear in a high-vis vest. Nice. Keep, keep um, moving. You'll stay so, warm. 
Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so bad weather all over the U.S. It's not so bad here in New York. We had about a eight-minute snow squall earlier to the point where the National Weather Service actually issued a snow squall alert, which I never knew was a thing. But it was just long enough to screw up all three airports for a couple hours because, of course, it did. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? Especially, especially it hit during you know hit during a, a busy time. Right. So, so it was about so. three thirty, four o'clock. So a bunch of flights went into some very wacky looking holding patterns. Some diverted, but things snapped back rather quickly. Yeah, and I saw a good time lapse of the the snow squall move through. There was a, a park along the Hudson. I think it was the, either the East River. Yeah, I think it was the East River. You know, brown brown ground, winter ground, and then all of a sudden it just turns white. Yep, and just so as was, quick uh, as it came, it left. But Detroit last week got enough snow to shut the airport down. I don't for even think it was hours. snow. I think it was ice. Just or ice. Ice. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I mean, not something that you uh, you want to be flying no, into. Detroit um, is a major, major hub for Delta, and they were closed for about fourteen plus hours, which is enough to screw up any major airline schedule for a little while. And they just couldn't keep the runways and taxiways clear of the ice long enough to actually accept any flights. But they got back open, and they've escaped much of the stuff that's happening this week. Good, so good, good for them. Speaking of things that are over oh, for now. Wow. Good transition. <laughs> the US government shutdown is over. For now. And I say for now because we've got a, a February 15th deadline for Congress to put together some, some legislation that the president will sign or he says he'll he'll shut down the government again. And I bring this up to talk about it again because there there's some some interest in the role that aviation played in ending the shutdown. Yes, as our friend John Ostrower says quite frequently, there's always an aviation angle. In this case, it seemed like aviation was kind of the, the straw that broke the shutdowns back. I, what was it? Friday of last week, I woke up, I was starting my day, and I saw a couple tweets from a bot that our buddy Seth Miller runs that scrapes FAA data and tweets it out um, when delays happen. And they just started rolling in one of the one after the other. LaGuardia, two-hour delay, staffing issue. Newark, hour and a half delay, staffing issue. Airspace delay through DC Center, staffing. Jacksonville, staffing. And they just all rolled in at the same time. And it's very unusual to see staffing issues. And it almost seemed coordinated. I'm sure it wasn't. But it was just very... Very odd to see all these staffing delays rolling at the same time, and that story just kind of blew up that morning, didn't it? Well, yeah, and the interesting thing that I mean, you you bring up John, and and he had a, a great post that that we'll link to on, on the Air Current, and that he said, or he got a hold of the memo that the Office of Personnel Management issued, saying that employees could take sick time during the shutdown, that 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 was that was acceptable. And so, because of that memo, it became you know it became understood that employees would be able to to not come to work and, and collect their sick time and say you know there's I need I'm not feeling well I need my sick time, and you know given the you know not being paid for for a month and it being the middle of winter I'm sure a lot of that combined to make people actually sick. Whether or not there was any you know coordination among people, I mean I I get that memo that says yeah, yeah I can take my sick time I'm taking my sick time right. And unfortunately, the FAA is so perennially understaffed that it didn't take many people calling out 
to kind of throw the entire national aviation system into disarray. So I think only like six controllers in DC center called out sick and, and that was enough to break the whole thing. Yeah, it's incredible to me how understaffed the FA the controller you know staffing level is. I mean, it it's incre- especially in New York. I mean, it you know it's something like incredibly understaffed, and, and then you have to think about getting all of those people. It, say you hired all of those people to to come in and fill those positions. How long it would take to actually get them trained up and things like that, and then how close we are to retirement for a lot of people that have been working as controllers for a very long time. I mean it. It doesn't take much to imagine a scenario where we're, we're screwed, shut down or not. Right. And in all reality, in all honesty, the delays posted that day by the FAA were absolutely no worse, if not less significant than your typical summer thunderstorm might cause or, or some adverse wind at Newark. The delays weren't really that bad, but the way they were coded, it was very... Uh, it stuck out like a sore thumb that all these flights were delayed due to staffing, whereas if that delay code had just said weather, everyone would have been like, oh, yeah, just Newark made Newark. Well, yeah, and, and there there was weather that day. I mean, there there were wind issues. There were, there were I think, low ceiling visibility issues. And, and that was one of the interesting things is like why – why now? And it was, you know, obviously the John's, you know, scoop about the memo was was a, a big part of that. But I, I thought the the other interesting thing in all of this was that there was no noticeable change in the airspace. No, every well, there were some flights between New York and the Caribbean that couldn't take a direct routing because apparently DC Center didn't have the staffing to make that happen. But there was also weather in the way, so they probably couldn't have done that anyway. But yeah, LaGuardia had some delays and it kind of, uh, you know, took one for the team and then did the, the shutdown for us. So it's the first time LaGuardia has ever done anything positive. <laughs> so I think we just found our title for the episode. So we talked about this last episode, but you you got hosed by the shutdown yourself. Yes, me and a bunch of uh, other geeks that were... Very much looking forward to Delta's first A220 flight, who got royally screwed because Delta had to postpone it at least a week now because they were not able to get their aircraft fully certified by the FAA because the FAA was mostly furloughed. So there were no safety investigators or, or safety officers, I don't know what we want to call them, to check ride with Delta to get these aircraft certified. So they had to delay it from tomorrow, January 31st, which would be yesterday if you're listening the day this came out, to February 7th. So are you going to be on it or? I will be, but I've also been told there's a chance Delta puts them in service before the 7th because they want to put them in service as soon as they can because they were already well, yeah, supposed to I mean, be in the schedule. So there's a chance they may pop. They're not making money sitting Right, around. exactly. So they may pop in the schedule before the seventh, which would be greatly disappointing. But then again, I'm not on the actual first flight anyway. I'm on the first LaGuardia DFW turn because I just don't want to be on a 6 a.m. flight. And I feel like LaGuardia to Boston is just not long enough to really get a good feel for the aircraft. So it's it's unfortunate that it was postponed, especially since I'm, I booked a, a revenue paid ticket and so many months in advance. But these things happen with first flights anyway. They they routinely get pushed back and moved around, but usually not because the government is shut down. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, a couple other things that that I you know we we, we wanted to, to touch on as far as the shutdowns concerned is one uh, Payne Field got pushed back a little bit the the opening for for Alaska Airs you know conducting flights out of Payne Field that got pushed back and Southwest Airlines was affected in a couple of ways one they have placed some blame on the shutdown for the delay in them starting whole flights to Hawaii. Ugh, yeah, okay. They've been waiting like years to do this anyway. What's another 14 days? Sure. But the interesting thing about Southwest is that they had three new 737s to the airline. So they said, we will pay an inspector to come back to work. We will pay that money so that you can certify these three aircraft so that we can get them back in the air. That's interesting in and of itself. What's also interesting is that Delta's kind of upset because they're waiting to fly the A220 and they're like, well, wait a minute. What about us? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that pay to play kind of arrangement they worked out, but apparently most of the paperwork had been done for Southwest. They just had to cross their T's and dot their I's to get these in service. So they just bit the bullet and paid, what was it, like $3,000, some incredibly significant amount of money for Southwest. I have no idea what it would have cost Delta to do this to certify their A220s, but probably a bit more since these involve uh, a bunch of flights and multiple inspectors to get those going. Yeah, it was uh, $3,150 for three hours of work. Mm, Yeah, that's like a rounding error for one flight's worth of profit. Yeah, so it was. It's a very interesting, you know, kind of arrangement, and and certainly Southwest is happy about it. But my question is, where where does that end? Like, how much could they have paid to get how much? Yeah, I don't think I want to know the answer. Okay, that that's fair. Should we talk about money in a different context? Sure. EasyJet told us how much they lost because of the Gatwick drones. How much was it? So 10 million pounds or 13 million dollars roughly is the the price tag that they put the drone adjacent incident uh, alleged drone. drone related alleged that's the word I was looking for alleged drone incident because we still have no idea what it actually was if it was anything at all aliens probably aliens <laughs> Now we have two titles for this episode. Probably aliens. But yeah, we uh, speaking of that incident, we still have no visual confirmation or proof or really anything to confirm that there was actually a drone at Gatwick, which is still bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I just you would think that. I mean, it went on so long that somebody would just be like, "I'm going to get my camera well, pointed this at the is sky." The UK, the, there's CCTV pointed in every which direction, so one of their cameras must have picked up something, and yet here we are. Well, it must be aliens. Mm-hmm. It's okay. the only reasonable explanation. But I mean, it, it's crazy. It cost the airline $13 million. Yeah, I wonder uh, if insurance will pick that up or if this is just such an unlikely situation that insurance will just say no. This is ridiculous. I mean, it, it, I have no idea about what type of insurance would even cover that. I mean, you know, like business process insurance. I don't, know. I, I don't know. If anyone is a insurance expert listening to the podcast, uh, d- drop us a line at podcast at fr two four dot com, because I I would be thoroughly interested in finding out if, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't even know if that would be covered. I don't know because you can't you can't say the drones just because they haven't proved it. Like it could just be you know like. Air vapor. Do, do they have nothing <laughs> insurance because nothing caused the the issues? I yeah. wouldn't. Wouldn't that be something? I don't know. Yeah. Huh. The more you learn. 
So, well, hopefully, well, somebody knows. Uh, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, but hopefully, somebody can can enlighten us on that because that, I find that very interesting. Should we stay in that part of the area, that, that part of the world, and discuss some exciting things? And I will start with the actual exciting thing, and then I will move on to the ironic, not ironic, sarcastically uh, exciting thing. Yes, I, I see what order you're going in here. Because I definitely so, know what's exciting, and I definitely know what's not exciting on this list. <laughs> so what I'm really excited about is British Airways is celebrating its centennial anniversary this year. And to to celebrate that, they're painting four aircraft in special retro heritage i guess we can call them heritage liveries because they're not specifically retro to to british airways right. remember british airways uh, is not 100 years old no, it's founding no. airlines that became ba is i guess 100 years old but ba itself is nowhere near 100 ba if i'm correct it's 74 something like that yeah but uh, I'll do a quick look up on There the are a few airlines that are actually damn near 100. I think KLM is... KLM should be 100 uh, either this year or, or almost. And let's see, there's another one. Yeah, no, KLM this year, uh, October of this year. And then there's a couple others that are close. So that, that'll that be fun. But whatever helps but, uh, us get some retro looking liveries. Exactly. Let, let's, let's get to the meat of it. So BA is going to start with a 747 in the BOAC livery. So the the BOAC livery, British Overseas Airways Corporation, flew on a 747-200. And so that's going to be on a 747-400 now. And I think it's going to look really, really Yeah, sharp. it's going to look good. And it will be painted that way until the aircraft is fully retired. So it'll be in paint. It's scheduled to come out and fly to London on the 18th of February. And then from there... It will last until 2023, I believe. Yeah, give or take, uh, unless so, they decide so they want to retire it earlier or later, which BA seems to do every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. it uh, we'll see how many interior refurbishments it can get. But it, it's going to be a good-looking plane, I, I think. And there's supposed to be at least three more. I don't know what those are going to be painted as, but there's obviously been you know some speculation as to what those will be. I'm really hoping for a Landor livery. That'll be cool, I, yeah. Yeah. I think that on a seven, the seven four seven four hundred would just be incredibly sharp. And we don't know if the others will be on a seven four. It could be on a three twenty. Hell, it could be the three eighteen. We don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, but Landor on a seven four. So how about I, the three eighty? That would be something special too. Yeah, but yeah, I would not be against it. I, I think it, I, it would be an improvement. Dare I say? Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone is is going to fully defend the current BA livery. It's forgettable. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike. No, I it. don't like it. I don't dislike it. It just is. I like it better than, uh, say, Aer Lingus's new livery. Another good transition. What did they do? Uh, I don't know. Why did they do? I so th- my immediate thought was, oh, okay. <laughs> like it, it was like okay. It, then, my my, right. my second thought was why? Well, I mean, it it just you know, of course, of course, it's an IAG airline, so. Iberia, Level, Aer Lingus. They, they all look the it's same It's the now. same livery with different colors. Right. It's the same kind of shading on the tail, the same white body, the same little insignificant titles up near the nose. The idea is that so these planes can be kind of hot swappable instead of painting the whole thing. You just paint a, a, a bit, which ironically, some of the only color is on the rudder, which is the most difficult thing to actually paint because it's, it has to be carefully balanced. 
I guess I never thought about how odd that is. So they can easily change the aircraft between their subsidiaries. So one day it could be Aer Lingus and in a month they, if they need to, they can change it over to level. But they've, they've taken a lovely green livery that you could point out an Aer Lingus aircraft from miles away and you know, you know it's Aer Lingus. There's no mistaking. Now it's well, it could be Iberia, it could be level, it, it may be, maybe definitely not Norwegian, maybe American, I don't know. It, it's it's very blah. Yeah, I, I just, they took something that, that was so recognized. Granted, I, Aer Lingus, I felt, could have, you know, there was an update to be had. Yeah. But it wasn't that. No, never that. <laughs> never, never that. And I mean, how many airlines, you know, I guess obviously they don't care because they keep doing it. So there, I mean, there's, but at what point do you stop paying like a, a rebranding team? Well, the last time I know someone did a, a major rebranding, we got June out of it. So yeah, maybe let's not do that for a while. No, I, I just, you know, like I, maybe we're in the wrong line of work. Maybe we could just, you know, sell our services to airlines. You know, just, just, just paint the tail. That's all you have to do is paint the tail. Everybody loves yeah. it. Yeah. Throw some paint on it. It doesn't even need to be designed. Just throw paint on it. <laughs> Just throw paint on it. I love it. Livery I do like, though, is the new Loud Emotion livery. Yeah. Uh, I still trying to figure out what exactly it is, what, what that airline is and why we have it. But now we know who fully controls it. Yeah. I mean, Ryanair said, okay, give it to me. Yep. So the, the massive 737 airline now owns, for some reason, a few A320s. Because what's a good uh, – I mean, why not have some, some leverage with Airbus and uh, and Boeing? Yeah, why not? It always helps to pit your competition against each other. But a lot of motion is, is a bit odd. It kind of rose from the ashes, I guess, of uh, – Nikki slash Air Berlin when that whole thing went kaput last year or was that 2017 or 2018? That was the end of 2017. 2017, yeah. So some of the aircraft still kind of have the Air Berlin logo and it just is a lot of motion up on the front, but now they have an actual livery. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of like it because it's you know it, there's there's color, it's got a cheat line, and there's some big titles. I don't know. I just I just you know what airline it is, and uh, you know I don't know. It 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 looks kind of like a kind of retro. Kinda, yeah, it's nice. I don't know how long it stays around. Maybe it becomes Ryanair proper one day. I don't know. Yeah, I think it'll be around. I, th I think the whole idea is with the name, but maybe. I mean, maybe it. I still don't understand their purpose. Whatever. <laughs> one day, one day, my friend. Should we take a quick break and and then get back into uh, some things? And at the end of the show, we're uh, since we're celebrating our fiftieth episode, and there's another special fiftieth anniversary coming up. So we'll discuss that uh, in a little bit after a quick break. Welcome back. And we have a very quick check-in. Does WoW Air still exist? Let me check. Let me check. You, you, you got to refresh this kind of hourly because maybe, maybe not. And I'm being told, yes, WoW Air is still a thing. WoW Air still exists. Excellent. That's good. But they're shedding some airplanes. They are shedding some airplanes. What was it? Today, mom, dad, son, and kid. And the whole family. Uh, all the, but not sis. Oh, what about dog and <laughs> cat? Sorry. 
Sorry, I think dog and cat are sticking around. So the pets have uh, taken over. The the pets have taken. Worst things have happened. So TF mom, TF dad, TF son, and TF kid are all on transfer. A couple of them were re-regged in Canadian registrations today, and I assume the rest will happen this week sometime. Uh, and they're all on their way to Air Canada Rouge. So the four of those. And then there was one A321 that transferred over to Copenhagen. What's it doing there? And that was that was a NEO, TF NEO. And that will be interesting to see what happens to that one because we don't know. Uh, they're kind of uh, picking apart that little airline. It's too bad. Yep. And their uh, their last A330 is parked in, in Iceland right now. And that one, uh, we don't know what's going to happen to it, I don't think. Uh, but that uh, they've, they've shut down. Overexpansion is a bitch. Three episode titles. <laughs> so that's, I guess, our bi-weekly update on the low-cost carrier. Wait, let me check, uh, let me check again. Nope, nope, they're still there. <laughs> All right. One of the, the stranger things to happen in, in the last week or so was that an Aeroflot flight Someone tried to get into the flight deck. Don't do and that. Never do that. Yeah, don't do that. And demand that they uh, take the plane somewhere that wasn't Moscow. And so, of course, the the initial reporting was that the the person was intoxicated. Turns <laughs> out, after you know, after testing, the person wasn't intoxicated. So the 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 investigative committee said that um, a medical examination revealed no traces of alcohol or, or any type of substances, and then you know we referred it to psychiatric assessment to see why, if perhaps there might be a reason uh, that that he did this. But uh, Airflot. Flight 1515 landed safely in uh, elsewhere in Russia and, and passengers were rather quickly picked up on a replacement flight and flown to Moscow, uh, except this guy. Obviously, he, he was not uh, on board that replacement flight. I'd imagine he's not going anywhere for a little while. At least a little while. Yeah. Couple days at least. Speaking of not going yeah. anywhere for a while, is that Norwegian 73 Max still in Iran? It is. It is still there. Huh. Yeah. So last I heard, and this is an interesting kind of shutdown related story. Norwegian is trying to get U.S. government approval to fix the aircraft and fly it out because they need parts from the U.S. or manufactured by uh, that have uh, more than ten percent U.S. components, and so that leads to sanctions issues. And so they're trying to to get everything worked out. And since the the government was shut down, that became impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so there it sits. But it, hopefully they they work something out because otherwise they're just going to have to like I don't know hitch it to a truck or yeah, something. Do you like wheel it over to the next country and then tow it fix to it. Turkey? Yeah. I, I don't know. I I, I honestly don't. Know. No, but I mean that's gotta suck. Yeah. Did you, I mean I'm? Do you have insurance for that? I don't. You, I mean you have to <laughs> diversion right? to Iran insurance. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that that's where we are with that. Last I heard, and that, that the last I heard that that was a few days before the shutdown ended. Um, so late last week. Now, I hear there's another airplane in the last couple of weeks. It's been parked for a, a while, at least a at while, at least a long while. It's a Abandoned MD eighty seven in Spain that's sitting at it was it Madrid? 
It's in Madrid. It's in Madrid, yeah. and it's just been sitting there for about a decade. And the Spanish authorities are looking for the owners. So if any of you listening have parked your MD-87 in Madrid and can't find it, uh, swing by and pick it up and fly it away because they're looking for you. Yeah, I briefly considered claiming it. I mean, what? What? Why not? Right. But and I can only imagine what the parking fees uh, on it. Air needs some new aircraft. But remember, this <laughs> yeah. is not the first we, time this has happened. I believe there was a cargo seven four seven, or at least a pair, or maybe even a trio in yeah, Hong Kong. Yeah, trio. Yeah, there's there was three. A, uh, I don't. I think it's Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur. That's right. That was basically they were advertising in newspapers saying, "Hey, this is your airplane. Come get it. We don't want it anymore." Um, I'm thinking of Hong Kong because I know there's also a 7-4 there that's been – I think it was Jade Air or something parked for a very long time. But that one's now back in service. Oh, good for it. That's good. Yeah. But with uh, – oh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. But I do know that it's back in this service. This MD-87 was retired by Iberia. Then someone bought it but never really did anything. It turns out the, the parking fees for these things get quite substantial and it's cheaper just to abandon the damn thing than pay for it. I really wonder how much the parking fees would be. Like if you went like, yeah, that's my airplane and went and picked it up like like it was nothing. Even if you could afford the parking fees, at this point, there's no way it's airworthy anymore, right? No, I'm sure that the, any certificate of airworthiness is long is expired. Long so this may yeah. as well be scrap at this point. So I, I, Yeah, but that costs money too. <laughs> I mean, so the airport's like somebody come and take somebody it. Somebody get rid of this thing. So yeah, it's an expensive parking spot right now. So if you're if you're in Spain, uh, I mean, go go kick the tires. See see if an MD87 is right for you. Huh. Jason and I take no commission from you collecting an MD87. But if you want to just, give us commission anyway, we're more than happy to take it. We uh, yeah, that that's that's a whole separate story. So we are celebrating our fiftieth episode, which is by no means the accomplishment that the Boeing seven forty seven is celebrating, because it is celebrating next uh, in ten days' time on February 9th the 50th anniversary of its first flight. Yes, and that first flight gave way to many, many, many very good things, revolutionized the travel industry. You all you all know the story about how mythical and amazing the 747 is. And its days are, are, are waning. It's turning 50 now and its days are kind of, I'm not going to say they're numbered, but they're, they're certainly dwindling. Yeah, I... It's just it's mind boggling to me that it's fifty it's been fifty years. Yeah. But then it's also mind boggling to me that it's only been fifty years. Right. It seems like can you imagine that fifty years ago the seven four seven was the the first twin aisle aircraft, that this massive thing that was unheard of, it was gigantic, bigger than anything else, and now we look at it and say, Huh, yeah, all right, but the triple sevens like, you know, newer, sleeker, bigger engines, the A three eighty makes it look damn right small so i don't know it, it, it's weird but it's always going to have that that uh that legacy that special something in everyone's heart that most aircraft just will never have yeah so if, if anyone's not read joe sutter's book aptly titled 747 i highly suggest picking it up uh it, it's just a it's him just writing through kind of his a little bit of his life story and then the the process of getting the 747 off the ground and and I'm going to take a little bit of license to to read a a teeny tiny paragraph from uh, when he's talking about getting ready for the first flight 
I saw Boeing's new jet as 75,000 drawings, 4.5 million parts, 136 miles of electrical wiring, five landing gear legs, four hydraulic systems, and 10 million labor hours. In a few moments now, on an airfield 30 miles north of where I grew up dreaming of designing airplanes, we'd see whether all those pieces added up to a real flying machine. Boy, did it ever. Spoiler alert. It did. <laughs> I mean, just, it, like that that's crazy. And you know what? I mean, he, the, he was right to question it because at the time, the engines didn't really work quite right so there was a chance it may not have taken off well i mean yeah it, the end they had a, a hell of a time getting the thrust that they needed out of the, yeah, engines. the pratt and whitney engines just kind of you know didn't work at times so they didn't really know what was going to happen in that flight and thankfully they all worked there's a great story in the book about getting the aircraft to the paris air show oh boy this is and, a hell of a story <laughs> and then they were like it might get there it might not well they had to choose it wasn't like put engines on the plane and go it was like they had to pick the 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 engines they thought would work the best for the longest to actually get them there. And they did. It took a, a hell of a it lot did, of convincing yeah. to get Pratt and Whitney to fix those engines, but they fix them, they did. But uh, actually, the very first commercial 747 flight was out of JFK with Pan Am, and they actually had to swap aircraft at JFK because, lo and behold, one of the engines broke. There you go. So, so in in fifty years, nothing is really you know as far as aviation is concerned. Nothing yeah, is same thing. Nothing is really different changed. Different decade. Same. Yeah. But you know the usual. But the seven four seven is special. It's still that pretty much that one aircraft where no matter who you are, where you are, you see it, you know what it is. Whereas if if my mom goes to the airport and sees, oh, that's a a Boeing, no, wait, Airbus three twenty. No, no, that's not right. That that mom, that's a Concorde. No. And everyone knows what the 747 is. There's no mistaking it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a truly special airplane. It's exciting to see what's going to happen. I know there's going to be a lot of celebrations over the, the next, you know, kind of celebrating the entire year of from the celebration of the first flight to, to introduction into service. So it'll be fun to see kind of what uh, what Boeing comes up with, especially and what they've got in in their archives because i mean i'm i'm sure it's the the history there is incredible so Remember, hopefully we get to, seven, we get to share the in that the 747 was the other aircraft the backup aircraft to the SST that nearly bankrupted them so this wasn't supposed to happen and it, it, it Sutter talks about that in his book a lot basically you know scrapping for for the not quite B team engineers because everybody else was you know everybody wanted to work on the SST so and he was like, I'm going to build a, an airplane that that maybe somebody wants, but we're not sure, and it's going to be huge. Boy, did they ever want it! Yeah, and you look at it now, you're like, that they designed that thing on purpose. Mm -mm. Nope. <laughs> I mean, and I, I will still go out of my way to book a 747 if I can actually find them. Thankfully, here at JFK, they're hard to avoid on certain airlines. Yeah, but in some parts of the world, they just they're a rare breed. In some cases, even extinct. They are going away and, and, and possibly quicker than, than one might wish. But, you know, it, yeah, if, if you can find one, it just it's it's one of those planes where, like, if you can fly on it, do it. On the upper deck, preferably, if you have the means or the capability to do so. And, and hell, there are some airlines that have economy in the upper deck, so it's totally possible. 
yeah, I, mean, I think that definitely definitely worth checking to see if it's possible to to get on one. Certainly before they're all gone, but they'll be around. You know, BA's repainting some, so they'll be around at least a few yeah, more years. Yeah, BA will have them until twenty twenty three, give or take. You know. And then after that, you can just ship yourself. Right. Somewhere. There are some others that we, no we don't know when they'll be around to. KLM has a bunch of 744s and even combis. We don't know when they'll be around to. Virgin Atlantic has a bunch. Who else is out there flying the 74 passenger version? Uh, Lufthansa, Korean. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're retiring yeah, them I this mean, year, though. There are numbers. Yeah. But I mean, Lufthansa's got the the Intercontinental. Korean Air's got the Continental. Air China has the Intercontinental. I mean, there there are you know a number of Dash Eights flying around that they're going to be around for for a long time. Let's hope so. So I mean, it's you know going away. It's dwindling, but it's by by no means impossible to fight. So a big fiftieth anniversary coming up as we celebrate a small fiftieth anniversary. So if you're looking to to book a flight, you know maybe book a seven forty seven flight soon. Do it. Episode 50. It wasn't quite what we had planned, but I, I feel like we did okay yeah, for ourselves. I'm going to go to bed now. And yeah, I'm going to go take some cold medicine. Oh, feel better. So I, I I apologize at the end of the podcast for uh, for struggling through this yeah, one. Yeah, go, go thaw uh, out there in Siberia. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I have to go bring the garbage cans in. Oh, no. <laughs> Can't it wait? Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I think I might have to. All righty. Episode 50. We're done. We're going away now. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with episode 51. Maybe we'll we'll celebrate with episode 51 too. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we can get uh, people to climb out of the winter hibernation. Yeah, we'll, we'll thaw out some ice caves and, and put something together. But Exactly. But, but we really appreciate everyone who, who's, you know, listened – to this episode and, and and a lot of folks who who have been with us since the first episode and and, and we really appreciate that and uh, we're gonna you know continue to to try and make the the best podcast that we can. I know Jason and I are having a lot of fun doing this and and we're gonna try and have even more fun doing this this year with some really cool stuff. So stay tuned for that and we'll see you in the next episode. I am Ian Pechnik here as always with Jason Rabinowitz and thank you for listening to all 50 episodes. (laughs) 